thank you for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms and on the YouTube channel, The Subtext. Hello and welcome to The Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games in the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... I am Dan, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, welcome, hello, hello. How are you, you alright? Yeah, we're recording on a Friday night for I think the first time ever. Mm. So we're at the tail end of a <laughs> a strange week for me with... Um, interviewing and and that and i believe you've just passed your probation in work so congratulations for that yes indeed thank you very much it's uh it's a weight off my shoulders it's been on my mind for a bit so yeah it's a nice way to to end the week and um what nicer way to end the week than talk about the game that we're covering (laughs) this uh this week so as we said in the last episode, this week we will be covering a bit of a smaller game, something that isn't going to take us 20 hours to complete. So this week, myself and Dan have been playing Pac-Man Championship Edition DX. Now, this game came out in 2010 and comes in at number 88 on the Metacritic Top 100 list with a score of 93. So we're, we're kind of looking at the tail end of the list but you know it's um it's an interesting one to be on here because with the caliber of other games that you've got the big narrative forces the big RPGs and then you've got a got a Pac-Man game which is um <laughs> which is a little bit different but this game was developed and released by Namco and is a sequel to the 2007 game Pac-Man Championship Edition without the DX in it so We'll start off by kind of checking in to see what our history is with the game. I mean, is this a game that you were familiar with beforehand? I'm familiar with Pac-Man and I've probably played a Pac-Man game in the past, but I had no idea this existed. This was completely off my radar and it probably wouldn't naturally fall onto my radar, to be honest. How about you? Yeah, same really. I am... I mean, I think you'd be pretty hard-pressed to find someone that's into gaming that hadn't heard of Pac-Man. He's kind of up there with gaming royalty, really, isn't isn't he, Pac-Man? When you, when you think of gaming, you immediately think of things like Mario, maybe Sonic, Tetris, um, and Pac-Man is always one of the first things that comes to mind when you think about games, particularly retro games. Um, yeah. Pac-Man is featured in Smash Bros. Yeah. So that's that's the level we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I want to give a bit of a, a history of Pac-Man before we get into Championship Edition DX. So for anyone that isn't schooled up, for any of our younger listeners that don't really know what Pac-Man is, Pac-Man is um, a pretty old game. It, it, it was originally released in 1980 by Namco. And it was um, it was an arcade game, and the the idea of Pac-Man is that you've got a board and you're a little yellow circle that eats pellets as he goes around, and your goal is to get a high score, clear the board, and then move on. So Pac-Man itself, being an arcade game, it never really you, you don't complete arcade games, do you? You just kind of try and get the highest score possible, and um, exactly 
yeah, go from there. With with Pac-Man, um, you are able to complete it to some extent. There are 255 levels or 255 wow. boards, and there is the high score available of 3,333,360 points. So once you manage to attain that score, the game kind of dies, it crashes. And it wasn't until 1999 that someone managed to play a perfect game of Pac-Man and get that score. And that was someone that I know you're familiar with, Dan. Do you remember when we watched that uh, that documentary, The King of Kong? Are you talking about um, the guy with the long hair and the beard? Billy Mitchell, yeah. So Yeah, the one that, that the fraud. Yeah, he's a fraud, basically. I don't know if his uh, Pac-Man score was fraud, um, but he, he apparently played a perfect game of Pac-Man in 1999. So almost uh, 20 years after the game originally came out, someone finally managed to uh, to complete it, I suppose. So do you want to give a bit of an idea of what Pac-Man Championship Edition DX is? Because I've just explained original Pac-Man, but this game came out um, in 2010, so a fair amount of time after the original. So there are some changes and there are some differentiations between this and the original. So do you want to kind of explain the concept of the game? Yeah, I'll I'll do my best. Um, so with these older games, things like Tetris, Pac-Man, what you started to see was um, basically enhanced versions of the games for modern day. And this is one of those. And basically it offers you more options and there are different tactics that you can use. Um, for example, if you are being chased by the ghosts that chase Pac-Man, and if they are right on your tail, the game will slow down, give you a chance to change navigation and get away from the ghosts, whereas I'm pretty sure that didn't happen in the old games. No. Um, there are new upgrades that you can use. Uh, there's a, there's like a, a, seems like a bomb thing, which can destroy all the ghosts on, on, on the board. Um, and it's been given a new coat of paint, new music, new levels. Um, there's time trials and there are things where you have to survive for a certain amount of time. Um, and they're probably more than that as well. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's uh, really as much as I know about this version of the game compared to the original version. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... When you think about trying to explain it, it seems like it could be quite a simple explanation, but when you think about it, it's quite hard to kind of explain what it is you do in this game because it's quite different from the original. And I mean, in my notes, I've I've kind of put down that the idea is that you eat dots to a certain path that is the optimum path for you to follow. And as you eat the dots, you'll pass ghosts who then follow you and the idea is you accumulate a chain of ghosts and to the point where you eat one of the, the super pellets and then you can go back and eat the ghosts that are following you in a chain to rack up a high score. And the idea of this is you get the highest score you can in the time limit, limit given. And Matthew Matosis, who me and you reference quite a bit on different games when we, uh, when we cover them on this podcast, made a very good kind of analysis of it that you play this game and you can run on an optimum route but as soon as you get chased off course or something happens and you have to divert from one of the ghosts then your run is suboptimal 
and it's quite a difficult game to get really good at because as you progress the game speeds up the ghosts uh, that are asleep that will start following you when you pass them they're fine but it's the four roaming ghosts that cause you trouble that mean you have to kind of divert off your um off your path that you're taking um obviously with this being a pac-man game it's very similar to the original um original concepts from 1980 and I actually found out that this was the last game developed by the series creator, uh, Toru Iwatani. So it's still got its classic roots in this game. Um, and, you know, I think I think it's quite nice that you've got a game that is the, the older brother, I suppose, of one of the the big games of the past, one that's very memorable. And its older brother is now in the top 100 games of all time. I think that's quite a nice little... Do you mean younger um, brother? Yeah, younger brother, sorry. Um, but yeah, I think that's quite a nice little touch that, you know, after all of the time that's passed, one of its sequels has managed to get into the top 100 games of all time. Because Pac-Man is, you know, Pac-Man's iconic. Yeah, and it's I think it's nice history. that. Yeah, absolutely. Like 100%. And I think it's probably one of the most well-known games out there, as I said earlier, yeah. besides maybe things like Tetris. Well, you, um, get, you get films that that either borrow directly from it or um, are basically motivated by it. There's things like that awful Pixels film. Um, oh, with Ben Ralph. Stiller. Yeah, so it, it is. It's, it's, um, I'd say it's top five video game characters that are known among the wider public yeah 100 percent. so obviously the original pac-man came out in arcades and then um they were kind of given the go-ahead to put pac-man onto the atari 2600 and pac-man on the atari 2600 or it might have been the 5200 um, is also credited as being one of the factors to the game industry crash in 1983 because the atari port of it was it, it really bad. Mm, it, interesting. <laughs> I've I've seen footage of it and it looks atrocious. But it's because the guy that was developing it wasn't given enough time to put together a, a proper a Ooh. proper game. And in the end, they they ended up releasing the um the, the unfinished version of it, kind of the the demo version, I suppose. So it's gone from you know arcade machines to the Atari all the way up. I remember there being Pac-Man games on the PS One, the PS Two, etc., etc. So what version of this did you play? What console did you play it on? Um, so I think like you, I played it on my Xbox One X and it is the 360 version of the game running on the Xbox One X. And yeah, it's, it's a, it works fine. It plays smoothly. It looks nice. Um, so you played it there as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think... Because this game was originally released on the um, the 360. I think it was on the PS3 as well. Uh, it's also on mobile and on PC. Uh, but the Xbox version was the highest rated one, according to Metacritic. Um, it's, it's difficult to find things to talk about with a game like this, isn't it? Because yeah. there's no story to talk of. There's no themes. It's just basically an arcade game that 
you've just kind of got to get a high score on. There are elements to this game that you can unlock as you progress. There are different maps, different game styles, different time attack modes you can you can unlock with it. But really, predominantly, it's quite a basic game, isn't it? Yeah. And um, I was playing mainly in the mode where you've got a minute and it's counting down and you have to get all the dots, all the Pac-Man food, and you've got to get them all within the time limit and you set a record basically and then you move on to the next one. I did do one of the longer ones where the time counts down and you have to get Five a high to 10 score. minutes. Yeah, but just didn't really enjoy it. So I prefer the, the, the quick pick up and play stuff, I think, with this one. Interesting, because I, I was the opposite. I, I did a few of the time, like one minute time things, but it wasn't really for me. Whereas the mode where you have five or ten minutes to get the highest score possible, which is called Championship Two mode, that was um, that was kind of where I where I mostly sat with this game. That's how I played it, which I quite enjoyed. And I think in the end, my highest score was I think one point five or one point six million, but that was on a ten minute mode. Um, because I mean I'm not the not the best at this game, but I th- I think it's enjoyable um, for what it is, and I think this is the kind of game that would really um, do well from being on something like the Switch or the Vita. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, it's so hard for me. I I mean to turn on my Xbox to play this in full screen and to sink lots of time into it. This is the kind of game. That would be perfect. Playing in handheld, you've got something else on the screen. You don't have to invest too much in what you're doing. You can. It's not like you've got to pick up really complicated plot elements or anything like that. You can just pause it if you want to watch the TV. Um, so that is the big thing for me here. If this was in handheld, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, definitely. I think you can kind of liken playing this game on a console on the big screen to playing something like Tetris on the big screen you just you wouldn't really do it would you yeah there's I mean, just there's nothing to gain out of it is there I no and i'm sure there are tetris fans out there that would you know bloody love to play tetris on a you know a 75 inch screen um i'm not in that camp i'm absolutely awful at tetris and i kind of hate tetris a little bit but there are people that really enjoy this kind of game on the big screen um, and those are the kind of people maybe that don't enjoy um, narrative games or story driven games and that's fine it just it would make more sense to me that like there are certain games that I think would really suit being on a portable or handheld version and like I said this game did come out on mobile which might have been the best place to play yeah. it really um, but you've got games there are a lot of games that would really suit from being portable and they're just not games like Fez games like Thomas Was Alone, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World games it's coming that out. On I the can Switch, play it, though. What's that? Sorry, Scott Pilgrim's coming out on the Switch. Yeah, they're re-releasing it on the um, on the PlayStation and stuff, and it is coming on the Switch, which I'm really excited for. Have you played that game? I played a little bit, not not anything major. I, I really like it. I really like that game, and I really like the film as well. Um, but yeah, th- there are so many games out there that would really suit to be on a portable console like the switch and they're just not or not yet so yeah um so as usual we'll come to our 
spots of gameplay is king. So the two questions that we ask in this section are, is it fun being the first? So what do you reckon? It's fun in short bursts, but I personally can't play it for an extended amount of time. It just doesn't keep my interest. Um, but in short bursts, yeah, I can definitely see that it's fun, which is why I think I would have had a lot more fun with it if it was in handheld. Um, yeah, so it, it's 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 fun with that with that for my, for me rather large caveat caveat. Um, how about you? Yeah, I'd say same. It's not a game that you want to play for too long, otherwise it will do your head in. But you know, if if you want to just kind of power up whatever console you're going to play it on and play for maybe half an hour just to kind of kill some time or to see how much of a high score you can get, then it's ideal. I mean, this game really is for people that like to do stuff competitively to see if they can get high scores in low times and beat themselves or beat records or beat their friends online. It's ideal for that kind of thing. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't have fun with this game, but I think that fun's limited to what you can do. It's very much, once you've played it for about an hour, you've experienced a majority of what the game has to offer you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, so the second thing, and it might be a bit of a um, a redundant question, but what what's your favourite thing to do in this game? Or what, what was your favourite aspect of it? Oh, I think it's cool when you when you when you're right up on a ghost, and then time slows down, and then you've got to make a quick twitch decision about which direction to go in, and using the bombs as well is pretty fun to to wipe out the ghosts. Or when you pick up the power up, which allows you to just plow through the ghosts, get your high score up. I mean, it it does feel good to play, um, just for not long pe- not for long periods. Um, so that that's my, I'd say the controls, but particularly those things that I don't think were present in the original. How about you? Yeah, I think for me, the, the gameplay is very samey. So in terms of gameplay, the, the gameplay is solid. Um, you've just got to have quick reflexes and you've got to know what you're doing with this game and you've got to be on the ball. And if you're able to do that and you're able to have your reflexes in time with what you need to do with the the increasing speed, then you're going to be fine. I mean, it kind of it goes into our, our next section where I want to talk about the aesthetic and the sound. But I think my favourite element of this game was the look of it and the amount of customization that you could do with the maps, with the with the, the character um, avatars, etc., I think that was my favourite aspect of this game because it's just got a very retro feel, very LED, very neon. I'll describe it, yeah, neon. Um, so very much. I mean, if you if you think about the colour scheme for Vice City, this is that transferred over to a Pac-Man game. I was literally about to say that. Whenever I see neon lights in a video game, it immediately makes me think of, um, of Vice City. I don't know why, but I think it's probably well maybe because the the lighting in Vice City is such a big element of yeah. um, of what makes that game good. And I mean we've dis- we've discussed it briefly before. And your favourite of the GTA games was San Andreas. Yeah. And mine is is Vice City, and I'm really looking forward to getting to that. And I think the aesthetic of that game is one of the big reasons that I love it so much. Aesthetic um, and the soundtrack. 
Yeah, oh yeah, the soundtrack is like unmatched. It's brilliant. So what what did you think of the soundtrack in this game, kind of the sound design and, and the music, etc.? Um, I know they redid the soundtrack and it was a completely new thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it sounded fine. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, always, I always put it this way. Um, is it something that I would listen to outside of the game? No. Um, there are certain games which I would. This isn't one of them, but it's it's not it's it's not by any means bad or annoying or frustrating. It kind of just sits in the background, and that's okay with me. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you in in terms of it's just something that's in the background that you don't ha- like. You can easily not pay attention to it, but if you do decide to, you know, think a bit more in terms of the music, and you decide you want to listen to what's being played in the background, you're going to enjoy it. The, the music in this game is really good, but it's not a main feature, I suppose. It's no. there, and you'll enjoy it if you're into that kind of thing. But if it's the kind of thing that you're not that bothered about, then you'll miss it, and you're probably not going to make. Gonna... It's not going to make any top ten soundtracks list, but no, it's no, but it's good to the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is there anything else that you can think of that we haven't covered with this game yet? I mean, this was always going to be a bit of a shorter episode anyway, and there's a few other things that I want to bring up. But is there anything kind of that you think we've not brought up yet that's worth mentioning with it? I mean, when I first played this game, I played for about an hour, and I came away thinking, what on earth am I going to say about this? My, my takeaway was, it's fine. And th- that's it, really. And then, obviously, we'll get to the question of whether it deserves to be on the list. And that's that's a question which will be interesting to come to. Um, but, yeah, I, I really... I think this is the first time that I've felt I don't have really anything to add to this conversation. And this game is not for me. And that's okay. I I wouldn't have been the person to give this game nines or tens out of ten. Um, again, that's fine. It's not what I look for in a game, but it's it's interesting to play a game like this because you kind of you, you kind of work out where your gaming tastes are, and this just happens to fall outside my gaming tastes. Yeah, I, I think that's fair enough. Like like you said, this this game isn't going to be for everyone, and it's not for you. I think I might have enjoyed it a little bit more than you did, but I think it's 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 a difficult one to discuss because it's Pac-Man. You know what what can you say about Pac-Man that hasn't already been said, and also talk about in detail because it's such a basic premise. But yeah. the reason that it works is because it's basic. I think if Aliens came down and were like, "Oh, show us a few of the games that you play." and you know a concept that we could easily get you could say here's tetris that's a really easy concept here's pac-man that's also a really easy concept and championship edition dx just kind of takes that formula and runs with it a little bit and makes it a bit more complicated a bit more shiny a bit more flashy yeah and it it works and i think it's it's cool the question of whether or not it should be on this list and if the critics got it right is something that's a separate question and we'll come to that at the end of the episode. Um, but when you and me were talking about what we were going to discuss with this episode and we discussed the question of the week, there isn't really a question that comes to our mind with this. So 
I mean, the question that I want to pose to you, and this is the penultimate episode of 2020. We've only got one more episode coming out this year, which is going to be on Christmas Eve. And I think this is a good opportunity because this is a bit of a shorter episode to discuss the games that have come out in 2020. And I realise this is a bit of a tangent from Pac-Man, but I think it's a good chance for us to kind of catch up and discuss what we've enjoyed this year. And I think we've discussed maybe releasing an episode in early January where we can just have a little recap of the games we've covered so far, etc. But the question I'll, I'll throw to you and we've spent a lot of our time playing games on this list and not a lot of time playing other things this year. But what's been your favourite game that's come out in 2020 or what's been your favourite gaming experience of 2020 and why? Um, this is uh, a surprising one. And I don't know if I've mentioned it. I think I may have mentioned it briefly, but what I did this year, I found out about this mod for Goldeneye uh, which is called Goldfinger 64 and I went out of my way to get an EverDrive 64 which is basically something that you can use to play mods to play all sorts of things on your N64 um, Is it a bit like the top loader on the um, on the Sega like the th- Sega 32X and stuff Yeah, it it's, pop it's the, the top of the console Yeah it's it's um it's something that that you can you can play things I don't want to go into too much detail uh, No as to as to what as to the how it works or if it should be available or not um that's a different question <laughs> but it it's basically i play i i downloaded this mod for goldfinger 64 and i was playing it on my n64 and goldfinger 64 is basically a ground up reworking of goldeneye um starring Sean Connery uh, with all the characters many of the levels and it was great and it just completely surprised me this was a game made by modders free of charge and i would really encourage anyone that does have an interest in goldeneye james bond retro games the n64 to check this out it was great um once you get past the first level which for some reason is pitch dark but after that it's got a fantastic soundtrack completely original again and it was just such a blast and such a surprise. I mean, I'd go as far as saying I would rather play that than Goldeneye. Um, but then, as you know, I'm a bigger fan of Sean Connery than I am of Pierce Brosnan, although yeah. I like Pierce Brosnan. Um, so for me, as with From Russia With Love, the EA game, uh, this was an opportunity for me to go back to Sean Connery's Bond and the world of Sean Connery's Bond and yeah it was just such a treat um and it just i didn't know it existed before this year so it was, it was a really big thing for me and on a bit of sort of related news i know that a mod team is working on a spy who loved me uh mod of the game so they're doing a ground up reworking based on the spy who loved me film with Roger Moore that's yeah, it's Roger Moore, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, it's not going to release until twenty twenty five. So these the, these things take a long time because these people aren't professional game makers. They're doing it in their spare time. But I would so recommend you check out these things because it just really surprised me the quality of it. I mean, they're not professional game makers, but they probably should be. 
based on this. Um, so that was my biggest surprise this year, and I just had a blast playing it. Um, how about you? What is your what is your standout moment in gaming this year? Um, it's quite difficult because it's been such a funny year, and I've mentioned it a few times when I first picked up my Switch. I've put quite a few hours into playing Stardew Valley. Um, I think it's over 60 hours, which I don't really do with many games. Um, I just find it to be quite a relaxing experience. I've not played it for a few months, um, but it's one of those things I can kind of always dip back into. And once I play it for an hour, I'll probably be playing it an hour and evening for the next week or so. But I wanted to mention that because I did really enjoy it and I found it to be very relaxing and it took my mind away from a lot of stress. But I think the most standout gaming thing that I've experienced this year is two games um, one of them being The Last of Us Part 2 and if you listen to a lot of this podcast you probably heard our um, our episode talking about The Last of Us Part 2 and how surprised I was with how much I enjoyed it because for me I I wasn't bothered about that game existing really I was quite happy with the way things ended in the first game I didn't want them to ruin it and it was only a couple of days ago that Last of Us Part 2 won Game of the Year at the Game Awards. That was last night, I think. Oh, was it last night? Yeah. And, I mean, you can you can hear it in my voice when we were discussing The Last of Us Part 2 because I'd only finished it the day before we recorded, so I was still processing a lot of it. I feel like but I'm still was, processing it. Yeah, it was such a heavy game. And I said in that episode that I probably wouldn't be able to go back and play it for about two years just because it was just so heavy. Um, and I mean, there, there were periods where we were talking about sections, particularly at the end, and I won't go into spoilers because we've not given a spoiler warning for this game and we're not discussing it in this this episode. But the the flashbacks at the end of the game where you think back to, where you look back to a few small things that happened before the... Um, the story of the game begins and I just remember thinking about it at the time and like almost my voice cracking because it was just such a I don't know just such a grim experience to play that game but also very memorable and very enjoyable and I came away from that game with a lot of thoughts just about um, people and relationships and also with quite an interesting look into how people react to game developers or voice actors or actors in general when something happens in a piece of media that they don't like and how people will lash out at something being taken away from them. And yeah, I think The Last of Us Part 2 is up there. And the other thing I can mention, because it got me through the first lockdown when I was on furlough, um, is playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. And... I don't think it was a mind-blowing game and it didn't blow me away. And as I've mentioned 17,000 times on this podcast, Final Fantasy VII is my favourite, not just my favourite game of all time, but my favourite piece of media ever created to the point where I've got a tattoo of it on my arm. And I really enjoyed going through partial elements of that story again and experiencing it in, you know in 2020 with updated graphics and voice acting and improved sound etc and like I say it wouldn't even broach my top 10 games of all time the remake it was good and I'm enjoying to see where they go with it but it was one of those things that 
people have been waiting for a Final Fantasy VII remake for so long that you know it, it was just nice to be able to experience it and see what they did with it and see the the roads they went down with that game. Um, yeah, and I imagine I'll have a lot more to say about that game when we when we finally play Final Fantasy VII when me and Dan cover our our personal top 10 games um i think that'll be quite a long episode but yeah that, that's kind of where i stand with it and i think it's it's always interesting to kind of look back at it's been the, a weird year it has been a very weird year and like i said at the end of the knights of the old republic episode it doesn't seem like we've been doing this since february it's um yeah it's it's, it's a bit mad really we've almost been doing this for a year and by the time we finish um for 2020 our next game will be our our thirtieth our thirtieth game on the list. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty crazy. And I suppose that's a little bit of a tangent, but I wanted to fill a little bit of time, and it seemed like a good excuse to talk about um, our favourite gaming stuff of twenty twenty. So yeah, with this game, then going back to Pac Man Championship Edition DX, the game that we're supposed to be talking about. Do we have to? We do. <laughs> That this is our job. We don't yeah. get paid for it, but we are here to do a job and we must see it through. So, Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, number 88 on the list, score of 93, released in 2010. Did the critics get it right with this game? What do you think? Where do you stand? Now, this is a game that has deep history and obviously it is part of the gaming fabric um but i i i don't think i i don't think i would have rated it that um had i reviewed it even at the time i mean this was 10 years ago that this was reviewed um i just i just don't think it's all about the gameplay with this one if you if you if you love the gameplay then absolutely it deserves to be there but for me um, I think they got it wrong and I feel like I always say that there should be um, diversity on this list and there should be uh, we don't yes. want all AAA games and, and, and in, in terms of that yeah it should be there but I feel like there are probably games that I'd enjoy more that would be on my top 100 so I'm just going to make the bold claim that Pac-Man <laughs> should not be on the list that's fair enough I agree with you that this list should be a broad sphere of different gaming, um, you know, franchises of different gaming types. And I think it's nice that a game like this has made it onto the list. Whether or not I think the critics got it right, I think they did. I think the high scores for this game are warranted because it's tight and it does what it sets out to do. And it's a good looking, fun experience. But with that being said, I think the critics got it right with the score, but I don't think it should be on this list because I don't know because uh, uh, well, it's because it's. I mean, I I've been thinking about this recently. Um, if a game is basically perfect in what it does, which you can argue that Tetris is, yeah, does that equate? Or if a game is flawless, that's another way to look at it. Does that equate to it being one of the best games ever? I don't think it necessarily does. Because I I can't... Other than saying that this game is probably not designed for me, I can't 
think of flaws in this game, to me, this game is exactly what it says on the well, tin. It does exactly what it says on the tin. It, it, it goes back to the comment that you made when we recorded our episode on Ocarina of Time, where you said that you didn't think it was the best game of all time, but you thought it was the most important game of all time. Yeah. And there's a big differentiation between whether a game's good and whether it should be on the top 100 games of all time. And I think I'm with you that, you know, this game, like you said, there aren't any flaws with it that we could note. It just does what it does. And, but what it does is very simple. And it does doesn't it, scratch does it well. the itch that we have on our backs. But for some people, it will do. And I can understand why. Because it's a great game. I really liked it. But it wouldn't be... It, it wouldn't be something that I'd put in a top 100 gaming list of all time. Um, and I think if if it was if it was the original Pac-Man, this would be a more difficult conversation. Yes. Because that version of Pac-Man is is the version that inspired everything else. And there are probably very good arguments why Pac-Man, why Tetris, why some of the original Mario games should be on the list, and they're not. Um, but this is not that original game this is a game that was made from the ground up in what was it 2009 2010 well, I, I suppose the, the original the the version that wasn't the dx version came out in 2007 yeah so it's a game made from the ground up in 2007 so we're not talking about the original original game to me this is kind of like um tetris 99 that came out on the switch I, no, I enjoyed that a lot more. I suppose that was more in my wheelhouse. Um, but maybe I've got more history with Tetris. Um, but again, would I put that in the top 100? Probably not. Um, it's it's a really it's a really difficult conversation when it when it comes to these old games. And and of course, this game does not suit having some elaborate story put on it. But maybe maybe this is uh an incorrect analogy maybe this is me just speaking out of term um but i feel like mario that we have today is not the same mario that we had all the way back then it evolved and it became something very different um whereas pac-man is still pac-man yes (laughs) i'm probably offending a lot of people i'd agree with that i think i think that's a good analogy to bring up and i think that's a pretty solid place for us to end our journey with Pac-Man. It's, it's been an interesting one and I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it to some extent. But yeah, it was just a, it's just a weird game that... It's just a very well, not, hard game It's not a weird discuss. game, it's just a weird placing on on a top 100 list, I think, for me. Yeah, and, and, and it's a really hard game to discuss um, because so many people who are far more qualified than us, who have far more interest in these types of games have discussed it so us coming along it's probably more of an injustice to the game to be honest yeah i'd i'd say that if you're curious as i always do if you're curious and if you want to have a good time that isn't gonna you know take over your life give it a go it's only about six or seven quid on the xbox store uh if you're in america i suppose that equates to eight or nine dollars maybe pretty cheaper over there probably about five dollars i imagine yeah maybe so it's um it's, it's worth a go i'd say just don't expect it to blow your socks off. It's fun and you'll have a good time. So yeah, that is Pac-Man Championship Edition DX. So as we've said last week and today, 
the next episode is going to be our last episode of the year. We wanted to kind of come up with something with a bit of a Christmassy theme, but realised there aren't very many games on this list that give off a Christmas vibe. So I've chose this game, which was Pac-Man. So it's Dan's turn to choose next time. So what will we be playing next week, Dan? So the game that I picked came out in November 2007 for the Wii. So actually, this was a huge, huge Christmas release. So if you equated Christmas with this game, I wouldn't be surprised because I imagine many people were playing this game around Christmas. Um, and the game that I've picked is the very, very well-renowned Mario title, Mario Galaxy. Obviously, we played Super Mario 64 a few, well, about a month or so ago now, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to go into this one because this is a game that you've got previous experience with, as was with Mario 64. I'd never played it before, and I made it quite clear in the Mario 64 episode that I didn't really enjoy it. So I've played a little bit of Sunshine in the interim as well. So I think it'll be quite an interesting discussion with this game because it's so far ahead of um, of Mario 64, you know? Yeah, it's it's, um, it's night and day the difference really, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, exactly. It's a lot, so, lot yeah. more polished. Yes, quite right. So yes, next week will be Mario Galaxy. It'll be the final episode of the year. In the meantime, while we put that together for you and while we play the game, if you want to check us out on any of the social medias, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, as usual. If you want to email us, we're the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. Please remember that our episodes currently aren't on YouTube right now. They might be again in the future. We don't know. Uh, so if you do want to share our episodes around, then please feel free to do so. We're on all the good places you get your podcasts. And yeah, I think that's all I've got to say, really. Anything else from you? Nope. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, thanks for listening and thanks for putting up with us in this episode. Yes, very good. We appreciate you listening and we look forward to seeing you next time for Mario Galaxy. In the meantime, take care. Cheerio.